Hi, I'm Deepak Madnani, entrepreneur, problem solver, and amateur barista. I am on a mission to help forward-thinking entrepreneurs succeed and grow by understanding two simple rules. Crisis is a clarity opportunity, and the question is never really the question. Today, I am putting my barista skills to the test and sharing a cup of coffee with resilient problem solvers from all over the world. Let's get started. Let me give a little bit of an intro of John, as far as I know John, okay? And John and I have met... I mean, you know, I think for most people is we don't usually want to count the COVID year because we haven't met physically COVID year, but I've spoken to you at least twice a month since COVID because of the Growth Edge masterminds that I run. And, you know, you've been part of the founding group, but we met at Strategic Coach, the Dan Sullivan Strategic Coach, right? That was your first time with Strategic Coach? First time. Yeah. First time. So you and I were both newbies there, but we hit it off. Strategic Coach is the High end is the wrong word. What's the right word to describe strategic coach? Well, you could describe it as expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an investment, clearly. So it's an investment. Yeah. Okay. It's a very good investment. And I think most people consider Dan Sullivan to be one of the very top guys in terms of entrepreneurial coaching. So it attracts a high caliber of entrepreneur. Yeah. So I didn't want to call it, I attend a high caliber one, but it is a high caliber one. And that's mm-hmm. why... It attracts people like you and me. It attracts, yeah. cheers. Cheers, by the way. Yeah. And you want to tell me a little bit about your wine in this uh, Deep Agas coffee session? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've moved straight from coffee into the wine. Let's do um, it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this year, all bets are off, aren't they? So, you know. All bets um, are off. I love that. Yes. Uh, this is a wine society, Rioja. Okay. And again, like yours, it's a very affordable wine, but mm. absolutely fantastic. If you like Rioja, it's a really, really good one. You know, and the one society always does a really good, you know, their own label stuff is always fantastic. Okay. And this is probably one of my favorite sort of everyday drinkers. All right. Well, we have to commit to a wine swap at some point. Okay. Mm. When we meet each other next, that's, that's what's going to happen. Okay. So I bring a bottle and you bring a bottle. At least a bottle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to, if we're going to see each other after that long, geez, I think it's going to be a couple of bottles, my friend. But, yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Great. Cool. So yes, it's, it is high caliber coaching and we use the word expensive, but, but let's qualify that statement because I know that's not what you meant. It's a high ticket price. It's you get what well, you pay not, for. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just the cost of it's getting yeah. there. It's the time out. It's all of that stuff because I don't let you, you travel from halfway around the world to get there as do I. Significant it's, investment it's on, on time, money, effort. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's, it's for two days mm. effectively. Yeah. So that's where we met. That's, that's where we connected. And it attracts this group of entrepreneurs who are, in my view, growth entrepreneurs, by definition, constantly curious about developing themselves, their teams, and their businesses, right? And using entrepreneurship as a playground. That's essentially it, correct? Absolutely, yeah. And I, I should just clarify what I mean by sort of high-end because it can sound a bit sort of snobby. Yeah. It's not intended to be that way. The reason I described it like that is because to my way of thinking, everyone that's there, yourself included, is a well-established entrepreneur, successful, and to a large extent, these people you would look at and think, wow, you've already achieved quite a lot. Mm. But they come to Dan because they want to push on, they want to do more. And so you're really in quite good company. Great. And I think that speaks to the tremendous value that Strategic Coach has created is attracting and having these high caliber communities. because. We all know a entrepreneurship is a solo journey, but you can't do it alone, <laughs> right? Absolutely. So 
fortunate enough to meet each other. And uh, John is a travel tech entrepreneur, self-made, very insightful, very eloquent, and very thoughtful about how he approaches entrepreneurship and very open. I think that's one of the key points I think about our friendship as well, is that it's very open. Vulnerability for entrepreneurs, I think in many respects, we're almost taught that you know you can't be vulnerable, right? Someone's going to take advantage of you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you're the leader as well. You're supposed to be the one who knows what's going on. You see, right? How are we supposed to, who gives us permission to ask questions if we're just supposed to tell people what to do, right? I think a lot of this journey has been, well, the wisdom within this journey is the fact that you can lead with openness, right? That's a big learning. The other observation I have about the kind of coaching you and I have been seeking and getting is that, and I think this is one of the driving factors behind starting Growth Edge for me, the Growth Edge coaching, Growth Edge mastermind, is that entrepreneurs like us, we already have, so you and I are in our 40s, close to 50s, but I think over 35, we're sitting on all this data, which is just experiences, and we know what we know, but the curiosity comes when we're searching for, we don't know what we don't know. But life is also forcing us actually to process so much of our experiences. We're forced to process our because, because we're frustrated, for example, or we're kind of settling. And that's one of the things that came up during our masterminds, right? Is the fact that shining a light on where we are settling. I mean, these are all indications of experiences need processing. And uh, it's kind of like unpacking. And I think that's one of the benefits of a coaching in general, but coaching specifically for people with our experience. Is, mm. is this making sense, John? Yeah, absolutely it is. And what this brings to mind for me, somebody asked me yesterday, funnily enough, a fellow coach sort of said, you know, what did you get out of strategic coach? Why did you go? What was the thing? And I think that my answer applies to both strategic coach and to growth edge, which is that with all the experiences I've had in developing business and getting to where I am, I had tried affecting and changing everything external to me you know, to improve things, to move things forward. And it wasn't until I realized that the one thing I hadn't looked to change or impact was me, until I realized that, that was the biggest unlocking for me for progress, was figuring out that actually the one thing I needed to work on more than anything else was me. And as much as we say that, because that can almost sound cliched. Mm. So let me ask you, Okay, John, you've, you've got to introduce yourself a little bit. I mean, you know, we talk about John as a travel tech entrepreneur, the successful travel tech entrepreneur, but what is it that you did Olympic level in your free time? <laughs> <laughs> so this is funny enough, this goes back to the conversation I had yesterday, that entrepreneurs tend to be quite goal-orientated. Mm. And so it's not unusual to find high performance featuring in other parts of our lives. And for my part, I'm a member of the Team GB triathlon squad. Team Great Britain. Right. Great Britain. Yeah. In my age group, uh, 23rd in the world, fifth in the UK. And so I have a dual passion, really, which is to achieve in that as well as in what I do entrepreneurially. So I just wanted to add that I think this is, you know, it's great to be humble, definitely. But entrepreneurs are humble to the point where they discount their own talents and capabilities, mm. which is part of the unlocking your next levels, which is, which is right. Oh, completely. I, I, well, I, mean, I think you pointed this out in the past, which is that the things that we're good at, we completely take for granted because they take no effort. They're things we enjoy and we do naturally. So they're not superpowers to us. And it's not even the things we do well, it's the things we do magically. People will be like, if they knew about it, they'll be like, you just did what, what, what? I had a conversation the other day. Somebody was like, 
yeah, I was working for this, this company. And then, you know, decided to go on my own and I sold a couple of companies and then, yeah. And then I faced this problem. I was like, whoa, wait a second. Can you rewind a bit? Like, what are you talking about? What's this part about you were working for somebody, then you went off on your own and you sold a couple of companies? Yeah, but it wasn't. I said, like, well, no, I said, guys, that's, that's important. That's a capability right there that's magical that somebody else is dying to have. So it's almost like we're struggling to solve problems because we find them hard. We like the challenge, but we forget how many problems we solve. We make it so easy to solve so many other harder problems that, hey, how about we just play that game? <laughs> Yeah, a bit like Dan likes to say, it's the gap in the game, isn't it? You know, yeah. we're always looking at the things that we need to do or that we want to achieve, and we forget to just glance over our shoulder and go, wow, did I just do that? Did I just do that? Wow, right? So, John, let's take a moment and talk a little bit about your back, you know, your journey. Give us the cliff notes. What drove you the last uh, 25 years? What, what was your path for? What happened? That's a really good question. And, you know, I hadn't really understood the answer until quite recently. When I think I told you this, but we were at the dining room table, the kids were around the table and they were saying, what's it like to run a business? And I sort of said, well, actually, you know, it can be pretty tedious. You know, there's a lot of admin, there's a lot of stuff you have to do, you have to deal with people a lot of the time. And actually, it can be a pain in the ass, actually. And they were like, what? But really? Why do you do it then? And I sort of stopped and thought about it. And I said, well, it really boils down to self-reliance. For me, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel this, that I have huge and always have had huge respect for people who are self-made, who are self-reliant. And maybe that's just a factor of how I was brought up, you know, your relationship with parents and all of those things probably factor into it. But that for me only recently dawned on me. Would you say there's a comfort factor in being self-reliant, even though it comes with all the craziness? 100%. Yeah. 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 So it's part of who you are, right? Let's say it. Yeah. It's a bit of a security blanket as well. I mean, you know, it's... uh, I'm in control. I'm to blame if it goes wrong. I take credit if it goes well. Mm -hmm. There's lots of stuff going on there. But that's kind of just to rewind a bit about how I got here. Because it is a bit unusual, actually. Because I started off working for people. I think I'd had about two or three jobs. And in each one, I just, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. I think anyone who's entrepreneurially minded is always looking at things and thinking, how can I change it? How can I improve it? What could I do differently? Um, I was probably a pain in the ass to work with, actually, but when I reflect on it. I'd hate to have worked with me when I was younger. But I remember, I think it was about my third job. And the company I was working for, it was a, an ad agency that specialized in technology in London. And they went into administration. I think I'd been working there about, I don't know, I don't even remember, eight, nine months or something. And they went into administration. and. I remember being curious about how the process worked. You know, in the UK, how do businesses go into administration? What happens to stuff? So I went along to the first meeting. And I think some of the directors were a bit surprised. I was quite young then. I was, you know, late 20s. And I sat in a meeting and watched how they valued everything from the physical things, desks, chairs, equipment, to the non-tangible stuff, to the work in progress. And I could not believe how low they valued everything. And of course, what they're trying to do is just ship it out, get rid of it, you know, mm-hmm. and make their 10% as an administrator. Anyway, they valued all this stuff. And I remember at the time, it was going back to the 80s and I sort of, you know, early 90s, I said, well, hang on a second. You just valued all of this stuff, seven or 8,000 pounds or something. It was something stupid. And they went, yeah, that's right. And I said, so if I wrote you a check for 7,000 pounds now, all of that would be mine, including the work in progress. And they said, yeah, that's pretty much how it works. So I wrote them a check. The jaws hit the floor, I think, when it's like a little pipsqueak. I opened his checkbook and wrote I'm, a check. I'm paying him too much. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. Um, okay. Bold move. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I had no idea. I had never run a business. I had no idea if I could do it. I didn't even stop to think about that. All I could see was the value 
in there. I'd been working on forty thousand pounds worth of business. Sure. You know, for that. Right. So you didn't need to be a mathematician to work out that this was going to be a profitable venture. Mm-hmm. So I bought all the equipment. I reemployed the XMD to maintain the continuity. Got rid of a few people that weren't weren't really pulling the weight, and worked that for a couple of years. And then, funnily enough, one of the clients and the former MD bought it from me, uh, not for huge amounts of money, but enough that I could then decide what I wanted to do next. So that's kind of how I stumbled into business. You know, I didn't do an MBA. I didn't. Well, you stumbled. You mean entrepreneurship specifically, right? I mean, you were already in business, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that's really how I found myself in that position. And then a funny thing happened, which was that I kind of then had the first first time in my life had the opportunity to decide where do I want to live? What do I want to do? Mm. I was forced by kind of, you know, anything like, oh, I need to pay the rent or I've got to. Yeah. Extenuous circumstances, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had some freedom. Um, and so I chose to move to where I am now, which is Bristol, which is a beautiful part of the country, where I had family and friends and all the rest of it. And then after about two or three months of having been there, started to get a bit fidgety and think, oh, I probably ought to do something. And then clients started calling me back saying, are you still working? And so I set up another agency. And it's been going 21 years, 21 years in February, actually, it was. And I'm still in Bristol and still loving it. 21 years, business has grown I'm assuming you weren't married then originally? No, I wasn't originally. Got married, kids. So, I mean, all of life grew, let's say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the uh, milestones. Okay, so milestones, from my definition, are... It's interesting because when I look at my history, it's all about crucible moments, crises, you know, crises, crises, crises. I don't want to ask you specifically about crises. I guess I want to talk about events that, Forced clarity. Let's use the word forced clarity. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that's a really, really good place to jump in, actually. Yeah. So tell me, why don't you talk a little bit about that? You know, funnily enough, the things that are the most painful, the crises that have been the most difficult, are the things that have made the biggest changes and helped me. Yeah. And that's so perverse to me. You know, dot bomb 2001, where everything went, oh my goodness. Yeah. Which go you know all our big ambitions and plans were out the window and that was my first experience of things not going how i'd hoped they would that really was the first time it forced me to understand something about how i was not my business that had a huge impact on my identity as a person because to a large extent your self-worth your you know how you're perceived by your friends family and the community has a lot to do with what you do at work but i had overly i think emphasized that Mm. and so it had huge impact on me and was very, very difficult. The first time that you know we experienced a, a recession, having to lay people off, uh, lose money. And I was still young then. I don't think I really knew. Well, I didn't know. I had no experience of doing it. I mean, that's, and I'll say this, right? Because I know this and we know this now, that inexperience is a crucial part of the journey, right? There is no playbook. There is no handbook for saying, this is how you be an entrepreneur. None. I mean, you saying you fell into it, right? So my dad was as hardcore an entrepreneur as it comes. My community, this is for another episode, but my community is hardcore entrepreneurs, you know, colonial background in terms of my country being forced under that rule and then restarting as a country, restarting as an immigrant, all that fun stuff, right? So irrespective of the historical factors and and irrespective of the actual steps that happen with everybody, that fact, that lack of experience. See, you're clearly an entrepreneur. There is no way that radar would have come in. You would have seen that opportunity of, 
all of this is worth or whatever it is, 7,000 pounds. Okay, I'm just saying, wait, all this is worth 7,000 pounds and it can be mine if I cut you a check and you make that step. You can't learn that. I'll, I'll say that to anybody. And I'm not saying entrepreneurs are better than anybody. I'm not saying that. But for a lot of people, even though you said, oh, but I was working on 40K of revenue, that was no brainer. No brainers only make sense to the guy that says no brainer. <laughs> to anybody else, it looks like it's insane. What was this guy doing? And so I'll just say that I think you validated weight. There's probably other points in your life, but you validated then that I'm an entrepreneur, as you said, you know, but then the second point that you're just talking about, this lack of experience, roundabout, what I'm trying to say is I'm from an entrepreneurial family. Nobody taught me that lack of experience is part of the journey, which would have been so much less painful if I just knew that. Yes. That's what you're saying. I mean, that's not yet what you're describing, but that's what you're trying to describe on. I mean, we're calling it crisis. We're calling it crisis only because of how painful it was, right? Yeah. And again, I think that raises an interesting question, which is that now that we're more experienced and we've been through these multiple times, we've learned to recognize it as data points, not pain and just something to learn from. And so what really comes out of that is that it's no longer painful for me when things like that happen. It's only painful if you choose to react to it that, that way. In other words, go, well, okay, what's happening? Right, I need to do something. I don't need to find it painful. I don't need to respond to it in a way that I think is painful. And I don't these days. You know, I mean, COVID has been a prime example. Um, yeah, it's challenging, but that's the job. The early stage entrepreneur learning curve is crisis is blame. Crisis means I'm not good enough. Crisis is it's a lot of self-judgment, further trauma, personal trauma that we're just causing to ourselves. And I think... Again, one of the benefits of strategic coach for me and then seeing other entrepreneurs was that understanding that who we are as, you know, who we are and how we think and how we feel is actually very normal. Mm. That is such a big part of why it's right? so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like arriving at a place which is, you know, everyone's from the same planet. Yeah. And then you say something and it's like, oh, wow, they get me. Right. Mm. Again, entrepreneurial communities, you got to find your community here. And there's that statement everybody makes. You have permission to be yourself, right? I mean, yeah. you're walking around seeing things a certain way in a society and everybody's seeing things their own way, but you feel like there's something wrong with you, especially if you're not achieving your definition of success. Isn't there a paradox there as well, which is that you and I attend something like Strategic Coach, hoping to unlock the key to success, you know, to find the method assuming that there is some kind of method that you can tap into that's going to help us, only to be told that actually the method is to do it your way. Mm -mm. You, know, <laughs> you are, in fact, the key to that I success. Mean, I mean, that took me a while to understand. It takes years because it's confidence, isn't it? It's not even so much confidence versus, I mean, this is the thing where, I mean, that's why in Growth Edge, I like to talk about all these capabilities and understanding as muscles. When you mm. want to lose weight, it's not going to happen tomorrow you know, or you want to bulk up or, or you want to get fitter and stronger. You're talking a 12 month, 24 month, 36 month. I mean, right. And we kept coming back to your training, right? Olympic training or whatever, any type of training. You expect somebody who's got talent. Oh, in six months or two months, this guy will be amazing. Or this girl will be, of course not, right? No, absolutely not. No. No, How does it work? It's hard work. It's discipline and consistency, turning up every day, even when you don't want to. And success, and I think this is where it's analogous to business. You know, my success in sport is a byproduct of that training in the same way that money is a byproduct of doing the work. 
successfully to, you know, getting the organization right, finding the right people, all of those things. But this is where I think we've done ourselves a disservice because we're much more forgiving when it comes to sport, number one. Number two, we're much more understanding when it comes to sport. And number three, we're much clearer on the different types of metrics that show performance when it comes to sport. While in business, if we're not making money, we feel like we're idiots. Yeah. You tell me. If you're not making money, you, how would the old John think? Worthless. Failure. Literally and figuratively. And again, I think that taps into your identity, how you're seen by your wife, by your children, by your friends, your family, your colleagues, everyone. Sorry, you mean how you feel you're seen by? Yes. And it's taken me a long time yeah. to stop worrying about what other people think. And I don't think you can completely eradicate that because, of course, you're always aware you're, you're, you're social creatures. But again, I think this comes with confidence and age and experience where you're able to kind of, this came for me from my, I think, second major crisis, which was when we hit the recession in 2008. Mm. And then by about 2011, the business was run aground, zero cash, overheads yeah. running riot. And my business partner at the time was on the verge of, I think, a nervous breakdown and had just sort of said, I can't do this anymore. And this was just prior to Christmas, actually. I remember it vividly because I'd attended my son's nativity, um, Oscar, um, who's now 14. This was going back you know, sometime. And having my first panic attack, mm. my first last, I, you know, thankfully, but I'd never had one before. I knew nothing about this. I remember sitting in the audience waiting for my son to go on. And, you know, which should be in some ways the, one of the most memorable moments, seeing your kid come out on, you know, his first nativity mm. and not being able to stand, being completely kind of panicked. And the only place I wanted to be was out of there. Yeah. I just didn't know what was going on. You know, you think, oh, I'm a heart attack. And I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, my wife, bless her, who is amazing, immediately understood because she'd been watching this journey for the last few months. And <laughs> she what was going on. She just put her hand on my knee and she said, Do you want to leave now? If not, it's fine. I'm here. We can go. It'll be over in 20 minutes. And just that was enough to kind of settle me down. And we watched the nativity play. You know, I was sat there on a different planet, really. Um, I went back home and I remember thinking, Nothing can be this serious that I, instead of being present in my son's activity play, am panicked about the outcome of my business and the future and all of these things. Mm. And that, for me, was a real turning point because I suddenly stopped to think, okay, I've got to stop making my identity so intertwined with my business. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just an object, an object that serves a purpose. And so I spent a bit of time working on that whole detaching myself from does the business make money or not make money? Is it going well? Is it going badly? So much of it is out of your control. You just have to learn to be a bit stoic about it. Yeah. I mean, that's a powerful story, right? I mean, uh, but imagine we go through, I'm using the general we here, the entrepreneurial we here. We go through these crucible moments. This is part of it, right? And I think this is what led me to build the growth edge balance sheet, that kind of assessment tool to be like, unpack your value, put it in the right places, and then be aware of it, acknowledge it. You know, the relationships, the experiences, the skills, the capabilities, the resources, you know, that you've built, and then just clarity on how you uniquely add value, right? That's, of course, another strong concept from Strategic Coach. And again, it's your superpower, value proposition. They, they call it unique ability. People have different words for these things. But it's almost like for me, when I am reflecting and looking back, and then as I'm going forward, whole world's been affected by COVID, right? Okay. Now, and then January this year, I shared with you about my company, again, experienced another COVID moment. 
specific to my company and not of my doing, right? But the reaction was just so different now. <laughs> so, so different. And I wish I'd had the growth edge experience back in 2008. I think because of our experiences, we value the right, I mean, is the word coaching, is the word solutions, you know, but we definitely value the right relationship solutions going forward because, and again, this is just, this is also a result of all the data that we have, right? And that is so important, the data point, seeing it as data. Right. People love to ask that question. Well, what would you tell yourself 20 years ago? But if you didn't have that data, John, would you say, guys, this guy's an idiot. I'm, I'm going to kill it here, right? What, what's he worried about? What's he telling me to don't just focus on making money? You know, what's this guy saying? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm, I'm just saying, right? So in context, let me ask you, what advice would you have told yourself 20 years ago, 15 years ago that you would have actually listened to? Well, that's a really good question. That's a tough one. What would I have listened to? I mean, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think a big part of the rationale for entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs almost by definition are people who take leaps of faith. They have self-belief. Yeah, which is fine. It's a pre-requirement because you don't know the outcome. We are comfortable with that uncertainty. Yeah, that's a trait. Absolutely. And for me, that uncertainty is what's attractive because the uncertainty could have an upside, it could have a downside, but I'm prepared to go with those swings. Mm. But the idea that someone would come and tell me how to do it or to offer me advice back then, I can't imagine unless I'd had relevant experience of the thing they were talking about, I would have been particularly bothered because I was so busy just getting on with it. I'm trying to think back to actually what did somebody tell me that I listened to? You know, were there moments where people said, oh, well, John, you know, you should maybe think about this or have you thought about that? And there's no shortage of people willing to offer you advice. You know, there's all sorts of people who want to mentor you or who want to be non-exec directors, you know, and all of this sort of stuff. For me, going back, I would say, look, John, for goodness sake, don't mistake your identity for your business. Yeah. Whatever is happening in your business yeah. becomes so manifest in your own personal life that you, it brings you down, that it changes your, you know, try to be a bit, as I say, stoic. See it for what it is. Mm, that's a great one. That is a yeah. great one. Because, yeah, I could see anybody listening to that. I mean, you know, if somebody I trusted told me that. I mean, you know, people say, don't worry, don't worry, but that's different from how you just said it, right? But also, it goes both ways. But if you're experiencing incredible success, don't mistake that for you. Suddenly, you're the best superhuman being on the planet. And similarly, if it's going really badly, don't mistake that for you being this person who has no value or who isn't a terrific person. That's the great thing about what you just said. Absolutely. That's the great. It's both ways as well. Absolutely. Good one, John. If you've been doing this long enough, you're going to go both ways, aren't you? You're going to have success. You're going to have failures. You're going to have everything in between. But they're equally life-changing. I think I said at the top of this conversation, it's the ones that were the biggest, I wouldn't describe them as failures, challenges, have been most instrumental in informing how I've gone forward. I mean, this is where I talk about two things, turn trauma points into data points, and then I talk about crisis is just a performance indicator, right? Those two things by themselves needs practice. There's no, oh, somebody told it to me and I know what to do. No, because those uh-huh. muscles are weak. They need to get strong. And that's part of the entrepreneurial journey. I mean, I would have enjoyed myself much more knowing what I know now. And we're not talking about not having the experiences I went through, you know? But um, what are you excited about now, John, going, going forward? What are you excited about this year, work-wise, life-wise, entrepreneurially, John's mindset? I think coming out of the COVID year, I think, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, is looking forwards with a sense of abundance, of opportunity, because so much has changed, I think Dan Sullivan said it perfectly, didn't he? When he said, like, you know, we're going to get five years of progress in five months. Yeah. That's exciting, you know, for a guy involved in tech. Yeah. The ad- adoption of technology for doing things like this, 
has been really exciting for me. And so I think there's going to be quite a lot of that now coming or being really manifest in, in the travel industry, technology. The travel industry has always been, uh, it's a funny one because you've got these two tensions. You've got people who understand technology like Google and you know, mm. so on, who really understand technology moving into travel. And then you've got the established travel businesses who are having to move or reverse into technology because that's just how travel happens. Mm. From dreaming to actually going, it's all on your mobile. Or yeah. So there's this incredible opportunity. And all everyone is talking about now is getting their digital transformation organized and ready. And that positions us really well. So I'm quite excited about that. So the work's all set up for you and your mindset's all set up for you. So the next 10 years sounds like it's going to be pretty exciting, John. It should be, yeah. yeah awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. John, that was great. That was really good. If people want to contact you, they can just ping you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Did you have any moments of clarity? I would love for you to rate and review this episode. Your feedback is crucial to tailoring this content for your growth needs. If you would like to hear more, please be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn and or message me on DM at deepakascoffee.com.